Genre. We solemnly swear we're up to no good. The fan podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one magical minute at a time. I'm Gary Roby. I'm Victoria Laguna. And we have good friend Sarah Mortensen with us today. Welcome, Sarah. Welcome. Wait. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for being Thank here. Thank you. I'm very excited to do be here. Do you want to talk, before we get into the minute, do you want to talk about like how you got into Harry Potter? Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> let me think. Okay, so I first read Harry Potter when I was like... In third grade, I want to say. I okay. tried to read it by myself, and I like it was completely over my head. I couldn't read it at that point. But then in fourth grade, we listened to the audiobook as a class. That's cool. Which is great, because um, Jim Dale, is that? Yeah, Jim Yeah, Dale. he is mm-hmm. so good, and I love those audiobooks. And so we were um, listening to it as a class, and I remember we took a um, field trip, because it was the same year that the first movie came out. And so just since then, I've That's been fantastic. reading it. And I've always been a huge fan of it. And then even more recently, probably in the last, like, two years, I've really, like, gotten into more of the, like, online community around Harry Potter. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, and I volunteer for the Harry Potter Alliance, which is a nonprofit that uses Harry Potter and other, like, pop culture, like the Hunger Games and Star Wars and things like mm-hmm. that to, like, um, engage people in activism. And I so, it's really cool. yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And, um, I really enjoy, like, I've met a lot of people through that and I go to conventions and I play Quidditch sometimes and... That's amazing. Yeah. Perfect for this Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. we get to talk about. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, Harry Potter is just, like, a huge part of my life. No, I think it's really, it's really cool because, um, a lot of us that grew up with the books and the movies, like, even to this day, it's still, like, such an important part of, like, our lives or just, like, the, the, even just, like, the cultural, um kind of layout like harry potter more than i think any other movie uh that i saw growing up has become like it's a phenomenon of its own yeah um which i find really i really enjoy i think it's great yeah today we're talking about minute number 56 minute 56 starts with harry ron and hermione exchanging glances over the newspaper and it ends with the first years mounting their brooms so we only get like three or four seconds of the trio exchanging shifty-eyed glances um, after Harry says that he's pretty sure that Vault 713 is the one that they emptied earlier that, that day. Last week we talked about um, Gringotts Vault getting robbed or broken into. Mm-hmm. Broken into. It was already empty. I actually um, found out that you can you can read, well, I paused it, and you can read the newspaper. Oh, really? Has, and it's it doesn't mention Vault 713 oh, okay. in the text of the paper, but Harry says it as if he does just fine um we talked a little bit about that last week we didn't actually get into like talking about quarrel and like his he's clearly the one that broke into the vault right right they met him at the leaky cauldron like that earlier that day right which he was coming from or or he was going to do that yeah he must have been going to because the vault was oh, empty it before. Was, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, earlier that day. So he went and checked it afterwards. Yep. 
it was too late. Yeah. That's a really cool detail that when you know by the end and you go back, you like, kind oh, of, yeah. like, realize, like, oh, yeah, he was in the area, and mm -hmm. it, it makes sense that... I really like the moment where Harry goes to shake Quirrell's hand, and Quirrell's just like... Oh Pleasure. yeah, but but he doesn't well, know. He, he doesn't, doesn't know. know. But yeah, what if what if Pearl had grabbed Harry's hand then and just, <laughs> and just disintegrated, turned into dust right there? <laughs> yeah, we saved the day. Uh, oh, that'd be perfect. Yeah, that would wrap and up the story goodness, real like, nice. Their fingers never brushed when he was passing him back yeah. a paper yeah. or something. Yeah, that would have been awful. <laughs> yeah, poor Pearl. No physical interaction. There. Yeah. Uh, so we get flying lessons today. This week, really, all this week, um, I found out that the Quidditch pitch, or not the Quidditch, well, you can see the Quidditch pitch in the background, but yeah. where the flying lesson takes place is it, uh, they filmed on location at Alnwick Castle. Hmm. Alnwick Castle. They have a lot of, like, Chris Columbus was really into doing everything practically and, like, going on location, so later in the movies, like, as we get further into the movies, more and more stuff is just sets built at Beeston Studios, mm -hmm. but there are so many places they shoot on location for, like, this movie, so it's a lot of the, a lot of the Hogwarts stuff, they're just, like, bouncing around from, like, set to set, just crossing over the UK, just to get these places that look really nice and beautiful and Do you know where that castle was? Is it in Scotland, or? Uh. I don't know, I'm just curious. I don't know if it's in Scotland. I'm going to check really fast because I had written it down and then I crossed it out. It's in, it says England, Northumberland. Mm. Mm. It was I've... the seat of the Duke of Northumberland, built during the Norman Conquest. Hmm. It's been renovated and remodeled several times, according to Wikipedia. So not quite Scotland. But there are a couple places we've been to. Um, well, actually, we'll go back to another location later this week, the end of the week, when we see Quirrell's classroom. That's a different place. We've already seen, a lot of the classrooms were all at the same place, this abbey called the, the Lecoq Abbey in, I think that one's in, I think that one is in Scotland. I don't remember. I have that one down somewhere too. Mm. So many notes. Not so many notes. Uh, we have, I counted 26 students, 26 mm. first years here. I think that should technically be an inaccuracy. I would think so. I just reread the part in the book, and it definitely said that there were 20. And I think that makes sense because there's supposed to be five five girls and boys for each level, okay. each year for each house, right? Am I saying that correctly? So That sounds right. Yeah, like there's five boys in mm -hmm. Harry's dorm. Yeah, we were talking about that, exactly. Yeah. Which kind of, like, falls apart if you think about it, I think, because then it's, like, there has to be five for each, and so... Yeah, how do you have the exact number of students? Yeah, and, like, like, do people just get put into, like, a house if, yeah, is this to make it even? Really just ran? Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I, uh, I was bringing this up when we talked about the sorting house a couple weeks ago, is, like, like, you can't have a class of, like one Ravenclaw boy right. in a year. Like, that, it, it, it throws off the evenness of everything. This kid's gonna have a dorm all to himself. Like, that doesn't, <laughs> I don't think that that's how. But you would think if, like, the Sorting Hat was actually, like, it's not just gonna be even yeah. all the time every no, year. Yeah, but... right. Especially when you, like, you're gonna have a different number of first years every year. Right. So yeah. it's always gonna be. Unless they only accept. A hundred kids? Forty? Forty? Ten? Yeah. Yeah, yeah forty right. kids, 40 kids every, every year. year. I feel like there makes it super selective. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I guess so. 
Maybe the concentration of wizarding families is really just that small. Maybe, yeah. We talked the history of some of the Weasleys and just, like, seeing how many other, like, pure blood, all the pure blood houses are basically related when you get more and more distant right. up the tree. Yeah. It's insane. I really like, uh, I really like the flying lessons. The woman who plays Madame Hooch, her name is Zoe Wanamaker. She's only in this Harry Potter movie. Really? Like, I haven't watched the rest of them in a while, but her, like, this is the only, it's this scene and the Quidditch scene are the only times we ever see her, and she stands out so much. Yeah, that's really surprising, because I feel like she's so memorable. Like, mm-hmm. I I remember her, so I it's really it's like, weird that she's not in all the yeah. other ones. I wouldn't have even, like, realized that. Yep, she's only in, only in this Harry Potter movie, and the only other thing I have written down that I recognize her from is Doctor Who. Um, in the 2005 episode, End of the World with the Ninth Doctor, she's Cassandra. She's the woman who's just like the skin, the stretch of skin. Oh, I think I did know that. Yeah. human born on Earth or something. Yeah. And then she comes back with David Tennant in an episode called New Earth the season after that. And then she also had an uncredited appearance, according to IMDb, of an episode in 1980 called State of Decay, where she was just an unnamed villager. In Doctor Who also? Mm -hmm. Wow. That was Fourth Doctor. Wow. Wow. Yeah, like the last year of the Fourth Doctor where Tom Baker was uh, playing the role. But that's an uncredited, and I couldn't, uh, I didn't do any digging to like further back that up and see if that was actually true. But so says IMDb. Hmm. I feel like, I feel like every time we get a new character in this movie, it's like, this is the episode of Doctor Who they were in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of crossover. (laughs) I think it's just all, it's all the, all the, uh, British character actors that are just mm-hmm. the more minor roles in this, but they've been in everything. Yep. Um, I think that was only, I don't have a ton of notes. I like, um, I really like Madame Hooch a lot. I love her hair. I love her yellow her hair. I love, I love her, her eyes. eyes yeah. Her eyes are amazing. Yeah. And I think that they're very, they're very, it, they're very, very feline. Yes. Yes, definitely. It's very accurate, I think, also with her description in the book. Mm-hmm. Short gray hair and yellow eyes. Yeah. I don't recognize most of the students that are in this scene. No. But I like that when Harry says up, like his wand, uh, the, 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 <laughs> not his wand, but the, the broom jumps into his hand, like, yeah. like really perfect. hard. Like, yeah, like, yeah. one, one try. He, he looks, looks so proud he of looks surprised. Yeah, he's all like, oh, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Hermione's so mad. And she's yeah. up like, how dare you? Yeah. Better at me than anything. <laughs> yeah. And who's on the other side of Hermione, uh, Seamus? Yeah, yeah, she was on the other side of Hermione. And then, of course, Draco's the next person we see. Yeah. Trying, you know, it works perfectly for him, too. And then the other kids are kind of struggling. I don't know. I didn't actually look up, like, how they did. You know, Chris Columbus wants everything to be done really practically. So I don't know um, if they have, like, things tethered to the brooms to make them jostle around and, like, rise up in a kid's hands. Like, I don't oh, really yeah, know how yeah. they shot mm-hmm. that. Um, from Hermione and her many uses of the word up. Oh yeah, you're saying <laughs> off my just like think her different enunciations because she's like moves she's her head too so while she does it. So I'm like, like uh, what is she doing? Uh, she's like cocks her head this uh, way and then does it this way. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the enunciation. Well, she would know because she's been reading all of the books. That yeah, right. your enunci- the pronunciation of the words, like the way what you, you say emphasize, it. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah, can can mean the difference. And it's just like flopping around yeah. on the ground for her. It's like how many how many ways can you say the word up? There's only two letters. She's trying. <laughs> she's working it. I know she's trying really hard. I love that Ron gets. I mean, I don't love, but I also love that Ron gets smacked <laughs> in the face, like full on, just 
It's so funny. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's very slapstick. Yeah, Even yeah, like, sound like, like when, really you, yeah. when you step on a rake. Exactly, and that's rake exactly what yeah. it slaps exactly what happened. And um, I think what's even funnier is his little comment to Harry, like she goes, Harry, laughs. yeah. But Ron's kind of laughing too. Like yeah. they're already such like, good I friends. Know. Exactly. No, I he love covers both of his <laughs> both of his hands. <laughs> his little Harry. smile there. Yeah, the and two, even like, like all of them, la- the kids, yeah. just the little kids laughing at Ron. They like genuinely eleven year old boys, and it's just like, ha ha. Yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of moments like this where I feel like the the reactions of the kids is all very genuine. Um, is it, who, who's that? Is that Neville between yeah, them? Yeah, I think it's it's yeah. Dean Thomas, Neville, Dean Neville, Ron, and Harry on one side, and then on the other side of him is Hermione mm-hmm. and Schultz. Yep. And I think that that's probably why like Chris Columbus directed these movies and why he he was good at it because I think he had a lot of experience directing with children yes. and stuff. And for these, they're so young. Because he's able to build a rapport with them. Yeah, he was yeah. probably just really good at like getting performance out of them when they're not very experienced. Yeah, we talked um, a few weeks ago. We had um, Scott Corelli from Back to the Future Minute on, mm-hmm. and we talked about um, Chris Columbus directing the Home Alone movies and how one of the things that he's right. really good at in Home Alone is like shooting the camera from like a low angle, so it's that kid's perspective looking up at things, oh. and it definitely makes me think of. Um, Specifically, the dive in alley scene. Yeah, when, we, when I, we're I walking down the street one. and it's like looking up at like the shops and yeah. all the things, and and uh, I think it really does add to that element of like us as viewers identifying with the kids, like looking at like look at this great big thing, this thing that's bigger than us. Kind yeah, of deal. Um, yeah, I think he does. I think he does a really good job, at least, uh, especially with these kids in this movie. Yeah, I really like the reactions we get out of all of them. The yeah. the the. The group of them are all very genuinely like, you know, they're going to be working together for the next decade. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. It's great. Definitely. They built a good rapport right from the beginning. I was also thinking about like, what, so are they doing like wandless magic right now with the brooms you like know? coming coming up oh. to their hands, you know? Like what is the mechanism for it? I want to be cheap and say the brooms are enchanted because <laughs> everything's just everything's it's enchanted already, yeah, yeah. The, the brooms have all the magic in this it's just instance. i feel like we we see very few instances of magic happening without like the wand as the vessel you know this movie in particular we get a lot of that kind of like wandless magic or wordless magic right even um the only spell we've seen cast so far has been Reparo from hermione on the train Mm. Uh, everything else has all been this kind of very whimsical style, you know. Uh, we saw the put outer on the street, and we right. saw McGonagall transform. We saw the glass disappear, but right. Um, Hagrid lit the fireplace with the umbrella, but he doesn't say anything to do yeah, that. He doesn't say verbal. anything to give uh, Dudley a tail. Um, even the really food appearing point. at the feast, like it's all it's all super whimsical. It's very uh, yeah. It happens without... We don't really get a lot of wand usage. I don't think Harry ever uses his wand to cast a spell in this movie. That's super interesting. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it doesn't happen. Except for, like, when he grabs the wand and the light shines from Ollivander's shop yeah. and his hair gets blown back <laughs> by the wind. And, yeah. Like, I think that's the only time that there's a reaction between Harry and his wand. But still, that you know, he's not saying a spell, obviously. He exactly. doesn't know any. Exactly. So I don't think, I don't, I don't think Harry ever actually, like does any direct magic. Intentionally does any magic. Yeah. Um, 
it just sort of happens. It's very spontaneous in this in this uh, in this movie. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you would count. I don't know if I would count up as like. It's also not like a typical spell. Like most of the spells are in like that Latin exactly. type. Yeah. Um, language. Next movie we're gonna talk about eat slugs. Is that <laughs> yeah? <laughs> that's that's a very spell like that actually does something in place just, language. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thinking about eat slugs being an actual spell is really funny. Right. Well, I, we, we talked um, it, last week. We got to talk too. It's interesting because, um, like, Ron grew up in a house where magic was commonplace, and yet the first time we see him try to do a spell, it's like a song, like like the, a right. sunshine daisies, but like it rhymes. And there's right, a thing. right. And then when we see Seamus uh, trying to turn his water into rum, it's the same sort of thing. It's yeah. like a rhyme, like. Like, it harkens to, like, fairy tale magic, I think. Yeah. Um, more so than, like, incantations with a, yeah, with a wand, as we'll get, as we get later into the series. I feel like J.K. Rowling just doesn't explain super well how the magic actually works. I want to know so bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I agonize over it yeah. so much. Like, I want to know why the magic system works the way it does. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, it's magic. Yeah. Definitely. We don't know how spells are created or if... Where the energy comes from. I feel from like or... maybe Molly or someone sometime mentions a spell that's, like, gone out of use or out of favor. Hmm. Like, does that mean it mean... Does that mean it doesn't, like, work like, well anymore? Or, like, or is do it, they people just don't Is it a fad? Yeah. Yeah, maybe there's, like, yeah. fads. I mean, I could, like I could really see that. They actually mentioned that with... someone makes, like, a new spell that works better. They mentioned that with Levy Corpus. Yeah. Which was, like, created. So you can't... Obviously, you can create spells, but we have no idea, like, mm-hmm. how. Yeah, even Hermione in Goblet of Fire, uh, she creates the spell that, like, uses your wand as a compass for Harry to get through oh. the maze in the book. Yeah. We don't see that in the movie, I no. don't think, but, but that's a spell that she created, uh, which I find really fascinating. I know, she's quite a bit. I don't know, do other people ever use that later? Like... <laughs> did she that patent it? In, yeah, did she patent her spell? <laughs> oh, you have to patent the spell. You have to patent a spell, and like every time someone uses it, like, you, get, you, you, get get, you get a nickel. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of people. That's a lot of nickels. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the spell, I guess. That's yeah, true. I really don't know. I'm not sure how it works. Yeah, I don't think you can. Pa- I don't think you could patent a spell. Like, how do you stop someone from? How do you no, monitor that? Probably not. But maybe there's probably they probably mention at some point in the book, like, oh, this spell created by like this person. So-and-so. So. Yeah. You, it's probably credit somehow. Through the chocolate frogs, we find a lot about, mm, um, yeah. like people that created different potions and things like that, but, uh, not so much about, like, specific incantations. I like the idea, I, I guess I'm coming around to the idea of up being, like, Yeah, spelled, I am too. Rather than it being in the, so, so if they held their hand over, like, a different object and said up, would right. it snap up into the Or is it hand? just the brooms? Just, see, I, I want to think it's just the brooms because it, it's, it's meant to. And it is enchanted, yeah. like Maybe, you said. Yeah, it's, it's enchanted and the broom is reacting to that. Yeah. It's not, like, you can't just take an ordinary, like, I don't know, like, if mug I, or something yeah. and say, like, come say, to my hand. Like, yeah. I guess. Yeah, with your wand, That's though. It. Yeah, exactly. You, you have exactly. to have your wand. I also feel you can't go to, like, a, a muggle store and buy just any old broom. No. Just, like, like, a plastic no. broom. No, yeah, just one of those plastic brooms with just plain bristles and yep. those yellow bristles. And you're like, yeah. This is gonna fly this now. Yeah, I definitely think I definitely think that um because the the the, the style of broom is different. Like brooms in the wizarding world seem to be imbued with the ability to be used for transportation. Yeah. 
Like I think they're built they're built for that. Not yeah, for I definitely think cleaning. so. But the, yeah, at the same time, I wouldn't use a writing broom to clean. So the I feel only, like there's yeah. just two. Well, we the only other time the only time I can think of seeing anyone use a broom to like clean something. Filch has a push broom in Deathly Hallows Part Two. <laughs> oh, to, like, at the end, yeah, <laughs> like brush up all the debris. Oh, the only time I had sympathy for Filch, really, right? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Filch. It's like he has to clean all that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's the worst. I think that was everything I had. No magic to help us. I know, I know. He's a squib. He's just doomed to not have to just push the push broom. Yep. So push brooms can't be flown. No, I don't. Obviously, I don't think so. Well, he would be able to fly it. No, that's true. Could a muggle, if a broom is imbued with magic, does it require? Do you have to have? Do you have to be a wizard to use this? Like, like. Hmm. There, there are objects that have magical qualities, and I want to know what the relationship between like the magical object and a muggle would be. Like, could a muggle use the put outer to put lights out on the street? I would almost say yeah, because the device itself is magical. So then, could Dudley so ride a broom? Could, could could could? I don't think Dudley could ride summon the broom. To, to ride it, but I think maybe if someone was on it and then he was a passenger, if two people could be on a broom, but, but then that he, would be okay. if he mounted the broom and kicked off, would it not do anything? I kind of think it would work. Also because, like, isn't that Arthur's whole job? Like, he's the misuse of... Yeah. Of so muggle. that was to have Oh, muggle artifacts. But I think... So people can... Yeah, but I think, like, he, people... Muggles encounter magical objects and he, like, goes in and, like, yeah, fixes the right. situation. So, like, I don't think just if a magical object comes in contact with a muggle, mm-hmm. like, it... It's just not gonna... Yeah, I think it'll reaction. still work. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I kind of think that Dudley could ride a broom. I just don't imagine he would be very <laughs> no, good at it at all. I think so if, if, if a muggle didn't know what was happening and they'd be, like, freaking out, like, walling all over the broom. Oh, like, oh well, we'll, we'll talk about Neville. No. Yeah. Later this <laughs> well, see, Neville has no excuse. He's magical. He's not a muggle trying to do a magical thing. Like, but it's Neville, so... What yeah, do you mean? Poor, mm-hmm. Neville. poor Neville. Poor Neville. <laughs> We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Teaser for later in the week, you guys. Right. I think that was that exhausted my notes. Okay. Did you have anything else before um, we wrap up? Yeah, I think a few things. Yeah, let's hear it. I want to <laughs> um, just something weird that I noticed is that Madam Hooch mentions Amanda. She's like, "Good morning, <laughs> oh, Amanda," and I'm like, like "Who's Amanda?" <laughs> You're right. We've never ever heard the name Amanda. I think in the books or movies. I can't think of a single Amanda. <laughs> yeah. Any of I just thought that was funny. Um, and I just, we were kind of talking about it earlier, but I really like that Hermione does struggle with this and mm-hmm. Harry, like it's the first time we see Harry naturally being good at yes. something and we see it more in the next couple minutes, mm-hmm. but being good at something and he's good at magic, but yeah. he, but he's very natural. This, at this. comes yeah. yeah with an ease to him. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I really enjoy, I really enjoy seeing Harry be competent at something because yeah. so far we haven't had any, any, <laughs> yeah. any instance of that. Oh, poor kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then one thing that I think is interesting, and it's not actually my original thought, it kind of came from this other Harry Potter podcast mm-hmm. that I listened to called Witch Please. Um, I love that so much. It's so great. They, they're two Canadian female 
scholars. So okay. they're academic types. Nice. And they go through the books and the movies and now they're, they've already done all those and they're going sure. through Fantastic Beasts and all that stuff, but they, they, um, analyze the series through like a feminist, like academic That's perspective. Awesome. So they talk a lot about like pedagogy and all this stuff. Um, it's super great. And yeah, the title is amazing. Subscribe. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one thing that they brought up when they were talking about the first book is like, so is this the extent of like wizarding physical education? Like it's just flying lessons. Yeah, like flying lessons in the first year. And then if you don't like besides this, if you don't have there's no talent, like physical education at all, I like at Hogwarts. So. And also like are there other sports? Like it's just quidditch. you know, yeah, we only ever yeah, hear about quidditch. Really play anything else. Um unless they're just gonna play other sports that are popular in England, like right. rugby or soccer. Well, football. It would be cool if there were like magical oh, versions of those, yeah. like magical rugby. I want magical or football. Magical, <laughs> magical football. I, but, uh, yeah. I just thought that was a really interesting point. Like, yeah, we love... don't see them, the the extent, their, their education is very like in the classroom, mm-hmm. like all the time. And there's not much like physical activity happening for these kids. Nope. No, not just expecting you to be physical, I guess. Yeah. Nope. nope. But yeah, I think that those were all my notes. Cool. All right. Thank you for joining us, everybody, for Minute 56. Come back tomorrow for Minute 57 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, you can find us at <laughs> DuelingGenre.com or HarryPotterMinute.com. Um, and you can follow our Facebook group, Harry Potter Minute and the Listener's Army. We have a a lot of fun discussion with our listeners on there. It's been great. All right. We wrap up every episode by saying mischief managed. Okay, cool. You ready? Mm-hmm. Mischief, mischief managed. Dora.